previously on the Soundless Serial. The little creature goes, eh, finally the first one. Come, let the demon mini out. And you thrust him with the rapier faster than he could finish his spot. And the next room seems to be mostly empty with some sort of large ornate table on the very center of the room. And this table has some sort of sculpture on top of it. But what you get to see full display is the very large pitfall trap. Can Thorn investigate the side of the pit that we're on? As you're looking at the walls, a very wide smile appears in your face. So wide that it hurts almost. He'll open and check his book. Pretty statues in alcoves. What if we push them to see them grow? Thorn is not wise, but he's not completely stupid. And he's gonna go over to that statue and just like look up at it. And he's gonna kind of like squeeze in and try to push it over. So you put your back against the wall and you start to use it as support as you do your best to push this one. Until the world flips for you. And you tumble backwards because you applied enough pressure on the wall to open the secret passage. Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars, which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storyteller's Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Citadel. An epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, hope. Will our adventure survive to descend into the dungeon? Or is there a dark and calamity taking roots far from the sun's reach? Uh, Mortis is gonna kinda, like, sort of we'll slowly walk up next to. Uh, Methuselah. Like, he doesn't put a hand on him or anything. He's just kind of existing near him. And then he's just like, I know you've been through quite a bit of trauma, my friend, but you must understand what what we stand within are mere ruins of this empire. This, you know, the, the ones you speak of have been gone for centuries. You are safe now. Those that enslaved you are gone. Well, the Dark Warden is indeed gone, but there are other dragons out there, and I knew that uh, Velikaris and, you know, her other companions are, are working to, you know, defeat them. And hopefully, in time, she will. Perhaps my ignorance 
on other realms is at play here, but from what I understand, there is no major conflict between dragon factions at this time. What you're speaking of is history. Do you, do you know of, of Velikaris? I must admit my knowledge is limited, but from what I understand, she was a goddess of the Dragonborn. A goddess? In my understanding, once again, I must admit my research into these things is not quite so expansive, but I've only heard of Valkyris in legends. That is... That is very, very strange. I'm sure stories of a hero like her would would spread, especially if she felled dragons so quickly. But that would be quite a feat. Tell me, Methuselah, I, I don't mean to pry, but where, where exactly do you hail from again? I don't quite hail from anywhere, really. I've, I've sort of... I traveled for a long time in Century Soul and in Destry, mostly spending time in Century Soul with my troop, and then with Chrysantha, and then I was sort of kidnapped by a dragon and, and taken to Destry. So I, I've sort of been all over. So you've never had a true home, some place to call your own? Well, uh, I sort of believe in in journey. I, I believe that life is a story and our journeys are stories as well, so we shouldn't linger in, you know, one place. An apt concept, truly idealistic. Uh, I suppose I'm simply curious. When, when was it that you recall encountering members or at least the conflict of this dragon empire? Well, I suppose it was a little over, I think, a year ago. I left Chrysantha weeks, months, something like that, and then it was not that long before that I left the dragon, so something like a a year. Uh, Morris kind of has like a sort of so he has like sort of just a concerned expression on his face and he sort of leans back. I believe something may be wrong with Ursula because what you're saying isn't possible. The war that you speak of ended centuries ago. But that's 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 impossible. I I just I just left Century Soul not that long ago. I it doesn't make sense for it to be gone in, what is it, months? Something like that. Well, I I don't believe that you're lying, per se. I just, perhaps a section of your memory has been lost. Um, so Seeker's been listening, and Methuselah? Yes. I'm wondering, you said that you spent quite a bit of time in Century Sol. Oh yes, most of most of my life, more more than I've been to Lestri. Have you missed? Had you ever visited Tom's Rest before 
You came to meet all of us? Roll a intelligence check. You know, knowing the region as you do, you don't recollect ever seeing a community at that place. But you know what? You must have been distracted when you visited Tom's Rest. But now that you think about it, you remember that region and Tom's Rest wasn't there before, not in your memories. I've been to this region a lot and I don't think that I've ever sort of seen. I think I've been to Tom's Rest, but not the city or the village in a way. Like I've been to the land, but there wasn't a city there. Methuselah, I'm not saying that Tom's Rest is a really old village or even city, but it's been around for a little while now, and are are you sure you're okay? Oh yes, I'm I'm totally fine. I, I think I think we should sort of drop this conversation. We're wasting time. There are people to find here, so we should keep on moving. Let's go. And I start walking kind of away. Are you like gone, gone, or? I mean, you could call out. Uh, Mortis is gonna kind of not like chase, but just sort of like walk in the same direction. Be like, uh, I, I, we don't mean to make you uncomfortable at all, my friend. We're simply, we are simply worried that perhaps something may have happened to you, and you may have lost a lot of time. Oh no, no, nothing's happened to me. I'm completely normal. There's nothing, nothing going on. I was just kidnapped by a dragon for a bit. It's, it's all right. Uh, maybe there was something that happened. I wasn't paying attention to the things that were going on between the dragon and finding Chrysantha. I, I just wanted to get back to her after, after the, you know, the Dark Warden died. I just wanted to go home to her. But maybe I lost things along the way. I, I don't know, but we should keep going. Of course. Consider the matter dropped. And then he just sort of like bows his head and starts walking towards the entrance. As Methuselah and Mortis are like walking and it kind of goes into an awkward silence, they kind of just hear Thorn going under his breath, kind of giggling. <laughs> lost in time, lost in time. <laughs> Seeker's just gonna say to themselves, like, I just, I just really hope Methuselah didn't hit their head, because that wouldn't be good. And then they're just going to follow the rest of the group. <laughs> you guys then continue on through that little hallway to the right side of this small room. The hallway is long. It's a good little walk. And then it turns into a very sharp turn to the left. It gives you guys the impressions that you guys are now adjacent to the one room that you guys could see past the archway, past the pit as well. There is what seems to be a door in front of you guys. It doesn't have a handle and it's just made of wood, but you guys can see uh, through the small spaces between the wood that there is stone on the other side too. So there's not a way to pull this door. Can we push the door? 
Yes, you can. <laughs> it's a push door. Levels of observation. Easy to push or a pull door. <laughs> <laughs> now this is a puzzle I can get behind. I still roll a natural one. I get my bardic inspiration back. <laughs> if everybody puts their strength together, you guys don't need to do a check for this. Let's do that. Uh, I kind of picture like a cute moment where like Mortis puts his hand on the door, he looks to everyone else, and they just all sort of nod together, and just wordlessly they just push open this door. And together you guys are able to push the door open, scraping the stone against the stone floor. The place has a floor that is marbled in violet tiles that covers the entire floor before it ends at the wall where it turns then to dark tiles as if it was shaped like scales and it climbs all the way to the roof where it's cracked and broken it must be because of what made it fall the summer citadel this place is illuminated actually it ha- illuminated the moment that you guys open the door two stone cones are propped on the walls. The wall just beside the door that you opened and one directly opposite to it in the far end of the room. They literally just ignite with magical fire that is suggestive as per the color of the fire that it is green in its hue. In the very middle of the room, you guys see what you guys thought was to be a table with a statue on top. Clearly, it was a misconception. As per you guys can now see in full display, the very beautiful, ornated, and masterfully crafted sarcophagus that there is in the middle of the room. This stone sarcophagus barely is cracked, which is very odd considering the entire room to be still showing signs of the destruction that caused the Salinas Citadel to be in the depths of this mountain, of this canyon, but not the sarcophagus. It seems to have been preserved in some way. The sarcophagus is made of marble, like I described, but the stone sculpture on top of it is painted. And I need Methuselah to do another wisdom check because it is a depiction of the Dark Warden. He stays mighty with four horns, two small ones that comes out of its temple outwards, and the two big ones that resembles you, almost like ram horns, but not that goes back and then forward, it just goes sideways and forward. This black dragon stands on top of this lid as if it was guarding it. And there is his iconic necklaces of trophies, swords, spears, horns that clearly is the Dark Warden for Methuselah. I got a six. I think the only way the Methuselah would react then is by pointing towards the statue of the Dark Warden and freezing it as it shakes, pointing at it. Uh, Seeker is gonna like, like their eyeline is gonna follow where Methuselah is looking and they're gonna go up to it and just try to knock it over off the sarcophagus with their rapier. Okay. You approach the sarcophagus. 
and unsheath your rapier. And as you get close enough, you look at the sarcophagus and you have that one split second thought. This solid slab of stone will break and shatter the small thin blade that is my rapier. And then you sheave your blade again. Yeah. Could I, could Seeker try to knock it off with their, with their paw? Just knock it off? Cause they like to do that to things. And also this thing is upsetting their friend. <laughs> you like how cats knock things off tables? Just. Before they do that, I know you're gonna do it anyways, but before they do it, like, I feel like Mortis is gonna be like, wait, be cautious, this, this could be another trap. You approach the sarcophagus to be able to push the lid open. It is not just the fact that this sarcophagus is made of stone that gives you the impression that pushing it by itself is gonna be enough. It's also the sits heavy iron latches on one side of the sarcophagus, the one side that is towards the archway with the pitfall. On the other side, you see hinges, which clearly indicates that if you open the latches on one end, you can swing the sarcophagus open. Okay. But you can't just push both in there. So they're gonna they're gonna like open up the latches. <laughs> And they're gonna open it up. You test out the latches, and they are heavy. And it, you can't just simply move it. Like, you need to put a lot of strength behind it. If you want to open the latches, I need you to do a strength check for each of them. So the first one's a three. The latch proves it's stronger than Seeker. Second one <laughs> is a nine. Not moving. The third one's an eight. Nope. At this point. Uh, hey, Mortis, could you come over here and give me a hand? Mortis is going to sort of march over. Are we certain this is a good idea? I'm not sure we should be opening an ancient tomb. Listen, it's... I understand your intention, but... I'm not sure desecrating the dead is acceptable here. This, no matter what we think of this empire, this this is a sacred tomb for them, and we should not destroy this historical area simply to advance our own quest. I don't even think there's anything in this sarcophagus, and. I realize that that is based on nothing but my curiosity. So. Regardless of what's inside, we have seen how well protected this area is. Opening this tomb could lead to all of our deaths. Can I borrow your greatsword, Than? Let's at least discuss this way of action and make sure that Methuselah is alright before we proceed with anything. The both of you guys look instinctively to Methuselah, who currently right now is pointing, still afraid and frozen, towards the statue. Can Thorn climb on top of the Dark Warden statue? 
Yeah. He's gonna climb onto it and like sit on its head so that his butt is on its face and he's kind of like blocking it in some way and he's gonna start waving the torch around towards Methuselah to try and like break him out of his trance. You tell me, Methuselah, would that stop you? I'm gonna do a roll. Is that okay? Yeah, you can. Maybe with advantage because a friend is helping you. That's a dirty 20. Yeah, the profanity of the statue plus the waving of the torch kind of like breaks your your stupor. Methuselah just kind of breaks out of that like trance and just has that moment of just like eyes kind of like fluttering and he's like, what? What happened? Thorn, what, what are you doing? Thorn waves the torch and goes, lost in time again. Where were you now? Where was I what? Where did you go? Oh, um, I think I was back in the garden again. I, I heard the, the creature sort of mumbling to itself, and I heard this sort of jingling sound as it moved with its big necklace of trophies. You mean this creature? And then he'll raise his butt and show the Dark Warden's face. Yes, that, that one. Can I try to do primal savagery to, like, scratch up its face? And like damage its head. Thorn then raises their hand after casting their spell and scratches the face of the depiction of the Dark Warden, causing it to sizzle as the chemical reaction of the acid from their newly magical claws uh, scratches and damages the face of the Dark Warden. Oh, well, Thorn, that's pretty. Brave of you, you'd do well up against a dragon, although I really wouldn't recommend fighting one. Dragons, yes, dragons. Thorn has seen many things worse than dragons. Oh, I'm quite sure you have, but I do hope that you've seen things much better than dragons, and I don't know the things you've seen, the bad things. Hopefully they've been better than bad. Thorns is mine. It twists and turns like roots left unkept for too long. I can't remember. Um, more, while they're talking, Mortis is going to sort of notice that Methuselah snapped out of their haze. So he's going to sort of walk up to him slowly. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see you're all right, my friend. Uh, but listen, I, I'm, once again, I'm not going to pry about whatever happened to you, but you you seem to know the most about the Dragon Empire and this place and everything that sort of related, so I as the one who knows the most among us, I need to know what do you think we should do with this sarcophagus? Is there anything in this room to loot? This room is just uh, decorated to emphasize the sarcophagus in its middle. Uh, there are like carvings on the sarcophagus and that I could tell you what has in it for you to better have an idea okay. of it. But, yeah. Can I do a perception on the sarcophagus then? Sure. Um, you can. I think investigation would be more fitting, but you That's can. That's fine. I'm going to use knowledge of past life to help with this one. 
Mortis approaches Methuselah to talk to Methuselah about this. And Methuselah kind of quietly starts to walk towards the sarcophagus to get a better look. And meanwhile, Seeker is kind of like looking around to the best of their ideas to get a good grasp of the lay of this room. And then they see Methuselah approaching the sarcophagus and taking a closer look in the sarcophagus and they kind of like follow Methuselah's initiative. What was your result? 15. Yeah, go for it. That's going to be a 19. Okay. Okay, Methuselah. This is clearly a draconic empire sarcophagus. Everything indicates this. The depictions of the dragons at the side of the sarcophagus. The servants hauling treasure from faraway lands. And in this one, depicts a lot of the imagery of dragons ruling over mountaintops. And also, closer to the lid, it has more like carvings that would indicate a story almost, a finely dressed servant that resembles the statues outside of the alcoves, conquering, having their glory in battle, in raids for the good of the dragons. But then in the story, it shows how this person then offended the, dra- the Dark Warden and then was brought to this sarcophagus and closed within. Seeker, you also see all of this imagery and you understand that someone is dead within this sarcophagus because it's from ancient times. The person was closed within the sarcophagus. But what you also notice that you don't think Methuselah has is a small little carving indicates that the sarcophagus had treasure within before the person was placed inside. There's no like writing on this to see like the name of the person who was put here? Not on the outside. It seems this person was one of the the Dark Warden's dragon priests. Uh, Mortis has kind of been like, even though since uh, Methuselah kind of walked off when he asked how to proceed, he's still, he kind of silently followed him. So he's kind of like sticking near him. <laughs> uh, do you believe that this person was dangerous when they were alive? Oh, definitely. I, you see, I was kidnapped by one of these terrible people. And he sort of like pauses and looks over the sarcophagus. Do you think it best that we leave it be, or try to open it? Well, I I do have my own curiosities about who might be within the coffin, but I am sort of averse to opening and disturbing the dead. I, I don't think that it's as evil as this person might have been to open it and perhaps rob from them, depending no matter what's in there. I'm not sure that it would really help us. I do want to point out that apparently there is treasure in here, so... I mean, you're, you're all welcome to do as you wish. I just 
do not really believe in disturbing the dead. It's sort of contradictory to the things that I believe. Yeah, that's what Mortis said too. But we weren't able to loot that demon, so looting a dragon priest might yield some interesting finds and it would be a way to get back at the dragon that hurt you, Methuselah, I think, to steal from one of their priests. <sighs> Seeker, you, of course, I am not in control of you. You are free to do as you wish. However, within my interpretation of my goddess's teachings, it is unjust to disturb the final resting place of the dead. I, I believe that regardless of any traps or treasure or whatever may come of uncovering this sarcophagus, doing so would... doing so would not be positive in terms of our, our own morality. We must consider that no matter what types of people these emissaries of the Dragon Empire were, they they have reached their final resting place and they deserve to remain undisturbed, in my view. I would say that I, I do agree, you know. A pe people's lives are, are stories and our stories tend to end when we pass, so I, I don't think it would be right to start rewriting these people's stories as as terrible as they are, so I think that they sort of deserve the rest that they have now, and it wouldn't be right to sort of unearth them. Thorn goes, The dead are dead! The dead are dead! Makes no sense going through the effort of digging them back up. While I understand what y'all are saying, um, I don't think that these folks deserve peace. Methuselah, they hurt you. They hurt you really badly. And there's other pe other people that they hurt too. And those people aren't going to go about the rest of their lives having peace. They're hurting because of what these people did to them. What these dragons did to them. And I, I don't think that they deserve to experience peace. Maybe I'm wrong. But you know, when just because you die, it doesn't mean that all the horrible things that you did are forgiven. Well, I, I don't think you're wrong that you know people like this deserve any sort of peace in the way that they've been redeemed for hurting people. But at the same time, I, I don't really live my existence believing that we should take revenge on those that have hurt us. If if that were the case, then I don't think I would have been able to, you know, survive all the things that have happened to me. I think I would be quite a terrible person if that were the sort of thinking that I lived my life by. I don't like to look at people and see what I can get from them or or how I can get them back for the things that they've done to me. The Dark Warden is dead, and all of these people are, are, are dead, so they're not going to hurt anyone anymore. If, if that's your decision, Methuselah, that's what we'll go with. I only want what's best for you, 
and you know what's best for you. So I'm going to take your lead on this. Thank you for your kind words. Okay, so what are you guys are doing now? I think Thorn is going to hop off of the sarcophagus and then uh, stand beside Methuselah. And he's going to place a clawed hand on Methuselah's side. And he's going to look up at him and go, We won't touch the dead anymore. The, the dead will be dead forever. The dead will be dead forever. Oh, thank you, Thorn. And just so you know, when you touch Methuselah, cold as shit. You're like a snowman. <laughs> oh, yes, I, I suppose I, I can be a little bit uh, on the cold-blooded side. Do you melt? Not that I know of. We should dust it. And he starts pointing the torch at Methuselah. Maybe another time. So I feel like once we sort of made the decision, obviously Mortis has completely zoned out everything that, that the Thorn is saying to, to Methuselah. He's like, that's just my kid. <laughs> um, he just sort of turns. Well, if that's our decision, then I, I don't believe there's anything here for us, my friends. Uh, our quest is not one of vengeance, but... One of hope, to rescue those we care about. And he sort of gestures towards uh, Seeker. Yes. Is there like uh, a different way out of this place than from where we entered? Unfortunately, it is either the archway with the pitfall or the little hallway that you guys entered. Thorn will look at everyone else and go, <sighs> dead end, there's nothing here. I suppose then we have to go back the way we came. All the way to that one room with the two paths. I think that would be best. So Thorn is gonna uh, start, I guess, leading because in his little goblin mind, he's starting to get a little impatient. He's like, oh, every single time we go see a dragon, the, the lost in time elf stops and stares and goes back to the cards and we have to keep moving. So he'll go back out the way they came and start heading back. Mortis will just sort of shake his head to himself and start following Thorn. Can I do something before, like, I leave? Can I, like, put my head against the sarcophagus and try to hear if there's anything in there? Okay. Just for funsies. You place your head against the sarcophagus. You're cold, naturally. But I would say that you're still able to perceive when something is stone cold. At first, it's not really able to register, but then you start hearing what seems to be a tone, continuous tone. It's the best way I can describe it. It's almost like a... It's continuous, it doesn't stop. Uh, and then I think... I think I'll go after I've listened. There's no like sound of breathing or anything in there, or like, you know, zombie noises. No. <laughs> okay, good. And you guys go back to the hallway, make your way all the way to the room with the plaque, then behind the alcove to where you guys fought Minato, the daemon. You guys get to the secret door. It's closed. It closed on itself. 
But where you guys believe it was, you guys place your hand and try to push it because it opened inward of that place. And as you guys push it, the first few moments of pressure that you put on it, the outline appears. The, the scion outline appears glowing. And once it completes itself, you guys are able to push it open as if it was made of feathers. Um, then you guys go past the dragon. And you guys are back to the nice hallway with all the dragon heads. Right, we have to figure out how to go around it. We could just book it. <laughs> we could just plug what we did we know, last time. We know how it works now. I think the problem before is we got split up. Can I roll a perception check to see if there's literally any other way that we haven't already thought of? I think that wouldn't be a perception check. Oh, no, I think that would yeah. either be an investigation of something in this room. Yeah. Or just an idea roll. Maythorn also do an idea roll? Yeah. Sure. Can I? Yeah, that's all I'll do. Uh, 16. Nine. Four. You just remember about how annoying it was, this room, and that kind of keeps your focus. Seeker, you on the other hand, have an impression that maybe the key to this trap is the plate itself. Could I go and like investigate the plate area closer? Because I probably remember where it is. Like general idea of where it is. Go right ahead. Can I also investigate? Sure. 13. Three. There's the proper ground and there is the plate. And you notice that there is a very small gap of open space between the plate and the proper ground. How big is the space? Would you say, like, estimate? I would say that no bigger than a pinky's length. And I mean sideways. So like a like a blade could fit in there? Blade, piece okay. of metal. I'm gonna take the dagger that Seeker gave me and I'm gonna try to prop it in there. You place it into the gap and you feel comfortable that it is able to go through quite a bit. And it doesn't push the pressure plate down. What would you like to do now? Uh, I think I figured it out. I think I figured a way to not get it to push down. I, I could test it. You, you all should maybe stand to the side so you don't get hit by acid in case this doesn't work. Sure, that sounds good. I feel certain. Just be safe. No, Thorn like takes Methuselah's hand and looks at him and goes, "Someone says we'll go with you." Are, are you sure? I don't. I don't want you to get hurt. I, I want to go with you. I look at Mortis. Mortis doesn't say anything. He kind of just like gives like a, a small nod. What are you doing? 
go on the pressure plate and see if it goes down. With the blade inputted that way, you put a little bit of pressure on the pressure plate and you still pull down just a few hairs, which means that it can still activate the trap. You gotta do something additional to be able to properly interrupt the trap. Um, and then kind of like notice it's going down with our weight and then look at Thorin and be like, well, I, I don't think this is quite working. Do you have something that could prop underneath it? Thorn takes his bag off and starts like rummaging through it. Probably throws random items out of it. Like, I don't know, box and just random stuff. A rubber duck goes flying by. Um, a questionable piece of rotten meat. And then he pulls out a crowbar and like with a very big smile looks at Methuselah. That'll do. And then he'll half-life it and jam it under and then put all of his weight on it like it's a seesaw. And with that, you do enough strength with the fulcrum to prop the plate open. And you now have even more space to pry the bar inside and completely jam the plate. There's no way that thing is going down now. So can I take out the dagger that I put in there? Yeah, you can. Okay, I'll grab that dagger back because it's not mine. Can I test it now? Go right ahead. I test it. I walk on. You walk on it and it's a little bit weird because it's like a very like a tenth of a step. But yeah, the plate is jammed. I do a little bounce just to be sure because I'm very small. So I have to be like, will this handle? The metal is strong enough to resist the weight of Methuselah. And I'm going to call back to the others. Oh, Thorn and I, we sort of put our brains together and I think we got it. Ah, very good. Uh, perhaps we should still go one or two at a time just to be safe. Uh, especially me, given my... Uh, he just looks down at his shell. Stature. <laughs> yes, you're very, very tall. So... I agree. Methuselah, Thorn, how about you, the two of you cross, and then Mortis and I will be behind you. Are you okay to go behind me? Mortis just nods. Yeah, Thorn will go across, following Methuselah. Yeah, I'll go with uh, Thorn. And with that, your synchronized teamwork allows you guys to walk past the plate. You guys safely reach the other side. From there, you guys are able to walk past the place with the globes and the orbs. Um, you get to the place where you guys fought the swarms of rats. And now you guys are back to that circular tower where there's the three dead goblins there. How long have we been? This like, one path? Since, uh, since our long rest. Oh, um... Uh, an hour and 20 minutes. Okay, so we're still pretty good to move on. <laughs> I, if anything, the torch ended maybe a little bit past the plate, but it's a path that you guys kind of already know and those with night vision can easily guide you guys all the way to the place that you guys started pretty much this small excursion, yes. I feel like as soon as the torch goes out, <laughs> more, more is like, 
because he's the only one without any way of like properly seeing he kind of like leans on not like his full body but he, he like sort of holds on to Seeker a little bit just be like I can't see where I'm going it's quite alright friend I'll guide you we should probably save the torches for when we're in unfamiliar territory agreed my friend now that we're back to the circular room when we get there since Thorn is a little bit more of a clear head uh, what would I roll to see if Thorn at all recognizes these goblins that are dead in this room you can roll a wisdom check. Uh, I got a three. None of these goblins are recognizable to you as, I don't know, maybe you wanted to see if it was related to your past, to your to your tribe, but nah, you don't remember these goblins. Nothing on them makes you think that is related to your old tribe. Additionally, the one thing that I'll give you for free, though, these goblins seem to be younger. Maybe like, you know, turning of age kind of goblins. So this was the case with your tribe specifically, but you know that other tribes are different. Some can be more aggressive and encourage younger folk, younger goblins members to, you know, go out and hunt and raid and kidnap. But, um... For your tribe, it would tend to wait a little bit longer for goblins to actually be active outside, mainly to hunt. But these ones seems a bit younger in in itself. Okay, yeah. Thorn will then light another torch just so that we can see all of our options in terms of where we want to go. Pretty straightforward. The path that leads to the outside, into the canyon, and the one door that you guys have not explored yet. Yeah, before we before we proceed more, so we're, uh, while we're in an area that's uh, relatively safe, perhaps I could take a moment to patch this up. And he like points to like the, the still probably dried blood on his leg from the freaking demon. All right, so Mortis is he takes out his healer's kit, he sort of sits down on the ground and starts patching up his leg. Methuselah like kind of joins him and is like, oh, let me help you, uh, my friend. I I can play a sort of song that'll help soothe the wounds. That's very kind of you, my friend. I I used to sort of play these sort of music to help Crescentha. She was quite headstrong and would always get herself into trouble and definitely needed some patching up. That's quite the story. When, whenever I would get wounded in, in battle, my wife would always patch me up. Uh, she would always she would always chastise me for my recklessness. <laughs> I've definitely been that person as well. But tell me more about your wife, if you don't mind. What was her name? How did you meet? Uh, her name was Nera. We met when I was far younger. Uh, you see... I was once part of an order known as the Tension Dynasty. It's, it was an order of turtles in my community. Uh, they fought as warriors. Um, I would often take on freelance jobs, protecting caravans and the like from any sort of bandits or invaders. Uh, on one of my travels, I was traveling with a woman, uh, and she was the healer of the group. Uh, it's actually quite interesting. Uh, during our travels, we were 
attacked by bandits and some of our some of our allies were brutally injured one of which even to the point of death we were going to prepare a burial but then Nera used her magic and returned the fallen soldier to life that's in, that's quite incredible I'd never witnessed magic such as this but in my time studying under she I heard that returning someone from the dead was a sort of I'm not not sure how to put it it was frowned upon you know because it it may seem unkind but in the in the teachings of she when a person has died that's that is the end of their journey ah however when we were discussing it she said something that i will never forget she said that although Though they had died, it was not their time to go. They still had more life to live. And that sort of thinking made me reassess how I view the teachings of she. I see. So the sort of the story of that person wasn't over yet. Yes. Uh, she was much wiser than I am. <laughs> well, uh, soon after that, we... Many years later, uh, let me try that again. Many years after that, we encountered one another again in in my home village. She became our village's healer, and well, eventually we grew close. Well, that sounds wonderful. I, I know that you're not quite an elf, but you are from Leicester, and I know that some of the cultural ways to show love is to have a soul tree, which is something that, you know, me and Chrysantha did. Did you do that sort of thing, or is there something different for turtles in your community? I, I'm certainly familiar with with life trees. Uh, many of my closest elven friends would undergo that sort of practice. Uh, as for myself, well, uh, my goddess, she doesn't necessarily... Many of her rituals aren't really about sort of celebrations of love, but more so celebrations of life and the natural cycle. Uh, we expressed our love in different ways. Uh, you know, we we got a little house together in, back in Lestri. Normal stuff like that. But we have, we have both always been very curious and welcoming in terms of other rituals and practices. Any expression of love is a worthy one, in my mind. Oh, I do agree to that. I think that love is very important, and I'm glad that you were able to find such a strong love with someone who is able to sort of test your fate. Yes. Well, even though her life was cut short, having her in my life was the greatest gift I could ever ask for. I, I do understand that very much. Uh, do you have anything to remember her by? Like any tokens that she left you? Well, there is this, and he like reaches into his pouch. He takes out a little like a holy symbol. It's not evidently clear what type it is, but it's it's sort of it's it's definitely not a paladin, a paladin uh, holy symbol. 
Can I do a religion check to see which one it is? Sure, go ahead. Natural 20. Oh, oh, let's go. Well, that's out. For the untrained eye, this is easily a religious symbol. Maybe of a god or goddess, maybe from afar, outlandish almost. You, on the other hand, are a little bit more versed in stories. And religion can be seen as stories with messages in Stories comes with symbols. And none of the religions that you know, and you're quite confident of the ones in the areas, Lestri, Sentry Sol, even Destri, I mean, considering your limitation, none of them depicts a god or goddess like this. Although something else is noticeable for you, this symbol is made of very harsh ancient oak, almost fossilized, and has a weird connotation towards nature almost, with small engravings of vines and roots, and it gives an impression that it's more like a little totem than an actual emblem of a religion. What do you mean by like totem? More something that the legends of old would recognize as instruments that the fabled druidic circles would use. You know what? This is a druid thing, isn't it? It's so cool. I love it. That is your impression. And this is similar to the legends of the druids of old. The fabled, never proven to exist, druids of old would be fabled to have and assist in their magics. Methuselah's um, gonna look, look at the holy symbol and, and be like, oh, is, is this, this looks sort of druidic in a way. It, it doesn't look like any sort of god that I've ever seen. At the mention of druidic, Mortis kind of like his eyes widen a little bit and then he just sort of looks down at it. Well, you have a sharp eye, my friend. Most don't recognize this sort of symbol. Well, I suppose there's no harm in revealing it now. Uh, yes, my my wife was was a member of a druidic circle. Um, it was a closely guarded secret, as you know. Druids are very isolationist, and she feared that should she be discovered, her powers would be used for ill. Uh, in her time, in her time in our village, she masqueraded as a cleric, an ordinary healer. But uh, her powers were connected greatly to the nature and the realm of Lestri. She does sound quite incredible. She was. She was. Don't worry, I'll leave the dreadic part out of the song that I'm writing about you. <laughs> well, any sort of memory of her is greatly appreciated. Yes, and I'm glad you have this memory of your own to keep. You see, I sort of have a faith of my own. I, I follow the god Luxair, which is a traveling god. A god of light and death in some sort of ways, mostly stories, and I think that it's important to preserve the stories of those who have passed. 
Stories are some of the most powerful tools we have. Many of... Many of... Much of what led me on this quest was reading tales of legendary items and, and ancient lore leading to those who try to defy death. Yes, all of this is quite fascinating. But apologies, I'm rambling on. Uh, what of your love? Have you anything to remember her? Oh, well, and I point up to my hair. All these chrysanthemum mums. <laughs> well... That's certainly very expressive. I was never much in the way of fashion. <laughs> Mara would always not mock me about that. Uh, anyways, uh, it's good to remember those who have passed, you know? Even after their time has come, it's important that we remember them, because then they're never really gone. And the stories will never die. <laughs> Indeed. end of this episode of the Sunless Citadel. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts and be sure to catch the next installment of the Sunless Citadel every Thursday at 12pm EST. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review. It's a small way to show your support that goes a long way. To connect with us, follow our social media accounts and if you'd like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon to join the conversation, view sneak peeks of our next project, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Our intro score was created by Patrick Corton from Off the Beaten Path Musical. The Sunless Citadel can be found in Tales from the Yawning Portal by Wizards of the Coast. The world of Nosomundus was created by Pedro Stockler. Thanks again for listening from all of us at the Storyteller's Tavern.